Well, good morning. Welcome to church. We stand with me. Let us teach you a song. It goes like this. Just one word. You calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word. The darkness has to retreat. Just one touch. I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes are open to see, my heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can do, there's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way, there's nothing that our God can do. Just one word. Broken inside me. Just one word, and you revive every dream. begin this service, let's remember, we serve one who does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Let me teach you this. I will believe in greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Try that. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no Praise the name. 
talking with the band earlier today. I wonder if living in Florida, we can't always comprehend that whitest snow. Growing up in the Rockies, you just look up in the mountains and you just see this pristine white. And to think that God can take what we are and who we are all that we have, all that we hope to be, and make it white as snow. Wow. What a great Jesus. Amen. Think about what you've done, what you've been through, and He wants to make it white as snow. Not only does He want to, but He can. He's more than able. Amen. So sing that song with me. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Sing it with me. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. 
to him I owe. My sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. All right, I'll have you be seated, please. Thank you, man. As we come to a time of prayer, uh, I want to share with you a little bit what God has said to me lately, and that is, pay attention. You ever hear God saying that? And that's a problem, because half the time I don't hear him saying that, and he is saying it. And uh, I had, had some friends that were visiting from uh, all over the U.S. They had a conference in Orlando this weekend, so I got to spend time with a few of them. And as we were talking about different opportunities in life, ministerial opportunities, business opportunities, and seeing how the two are kind of two in one and not meant to be separated, I realized that I needed to say more to God, what are you trying to say to me? And then actually opening up my ears to hear, opening up my heart to hear. So what is God saying to you these days as he's talking to you? Or do we spend most of our time just talking to him? Um, I don't mean to take this down a weird road, but you ever have that friend? They just want to tell you all their problems all the time. I realize that sometimes I'm probably that friend to God. Hey, God, let me tell you about this. This is rough. Let me tell you about this. Hey, how, how about a new, uh, new Nintendo or whatever I'm asking for? I'm not asking for Nintendos. Don't worry. That was last week. Uh, but as we pray today... Let's try to uh, really concentrate on listening. What is he saying to us? Uh, There are opportunities for things that are good for you and good for those around us. We just got to pay attention. Not easy opportunities, not always hard opportunities, but they are things that are good for us. And he's just saying, listen to what I'm saying, because I've got some pretty crazy adventures planned for you. So let's, uh, you can bow your heads. You don't have to. You can stand up. Uh, posture of prayer to me is just a place where you feel connected to him. So take that posture, whatever it looks like. If you want to pace back there, I do that a lot too sometimes. I, I love to go on walks and talk to God with my eyes open. Is it possible? You know that? Possible to talk to God with your eyes open too. Whatever brings you into communion with him right now, let's, let's take that and let's just listen to him. Father, just want to say that we we bow before you today needing more of you let us really recognize your presence here today let us move to a new way of listening where we hear you better than we've ever heard you and realize that you're saying a lot more to us than you, than we ever thought you were. So we praise you, Father. We open up our hearts, our minds, and reach out our hands to you and say, we need you more than anything. We know that you love us more than anything. 
And uh, we just can't wait for more of what you've got for us. We praise you, Father, in your name. Amen. Well, as we move to uh, passing the peace, we want to try something a little bit different. And by different, I mean maybe I might be able to use the word more normal. So, how about you? Uh, let me do this. If you feel like it, how about you get on your feet right now? Seek someone out. Now, I'm going to ask, please, no, no kissing. Uh, if you've got a mask on, you can consider it, maybe. Uh, you know, as we get back towards, I don't know everybody's uh, preference on how to be safe, but why don't you take a few steps? Go say hi to somebody, up close, face to face. Do what you need to, to maintain uh, whatever you feel is safety for you. But if you're close to someone... Give them that embrace or that fist bump or the handshake. Let's, uh, let's do like the old days and uh, do this for so long that we don't have time for the pastor to preach. No, just if you can both just make sure. Hey. If you're at home, you're missing it. This is a good time. You know what? They're going to keep talking, so I'm just going to let them. So <laughs> My name is Garen. I'm one of the pastors here and uh I'm so thankful that you're here. It's good to see uh faces from uh well goodness some coming back. We've got snowbirds coming back, and it's so good to see um, your smiling faces. Uh, I, my name is Gary, and I said that already. Let me tell you about some upcoming events. I want to show you a quick video. This is um, Waverly, Tennessee, and this is our good neighbor offering this month. And I want to show you. I'm going to speed this up. This is 12 minutes. This is not over the course of seven hours or six you know, or two days, this is spent 12 minutes that I've shrunk just so that you could see how devastating this was in Waverly with almost half of the houses and buildings pushed off their foundation. Um, this is a small community of just a few thousand and they've had two schools that have had to permanently close. Can you imagine the nightmare of logistically getting thousands of kids to neighboring counties and then they come home and their house is in disrepair. So, we want to help. 
Port Orange Nazarene is a church that believes in helping and being a good neighbor to people, not just in our church and in our community, but around the world. And right now, for the month of October, Waverly is our good neighbor offering. So if you want to give to help send money to Waverly, there's a pastor there. His name is Darren, and he is our contact person, and he's going to be helping the community and help put the money where it's best needed. If you want to give, you can give to peonaz.church slash give, and then you'll select the good neighbor. Um, if you have a check, you can just write good neighbor or Waverly on it. And we're going to be doing this through this week and next week. Crazy, isn't it? You wouldn't think in 12 minutes you would go from just a couple puddles to cars floating by. Um, Darren posted that they were at church um, getting ready, and they heard the rain coming. They looked outside, and they're like, oh, my goodness, we need to get out of the basement. And by the time they got up to the basement, uh, got up to the main floor, it was, the basement was flooded, and they had to go to the second floor to make sure that they were safe. Um, and he said it was, it was very surreal watching his car float away. This is where the church shines brightest. When we share the love of Jesus by meeting needs. And so I'm excited for what you are going to help this church do by your generosity. So thank you in advance. The next thing I want to talk about real quickly is November 14th. We're going to torch some paper. This is going to be awesome. So we've got Danny lined up for his motorcycle jump through the flaming circle. It's going to be pretty amazing. I've heard that Jason, Pastor Jason, may do an interpretive dance with the strings. Um, I think like Olympics. It's, well, it, it's worth being here just to see him in his, his onesie as he does it. So you're going to want to be here for that. It's going to be awesome. November 14th, we're going to have box lunches. We're going to be outside, uh, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, and we are going to have a party to celebrate what God has done for us. God has provided for us so that we can in the future provide even more for those around us. So I'm very thankful for that. You're going to find out more hopefully next week with sign-ups for sandwich options and that kind of stuff. So the last thing I want to talk about is Advent. Doesn't it seem weird that we're in October and I'm talking about Advent? But we're going to be doing um, a devotional study during the month of Advent called Come Peasant King. And and I want to invite you, we've already ordered books and they're in. I'd love for each of you or a couple, you know, each couple to grab a book. They're $10 for a book. Or if you say, I don't want to share with my wife, she underlines the wrong stuff. I underline the right stuff. Then you can get two books for 15 Or you can get two books and say, hey, I want to bless somebody. So we're going to start that. That's going to start. The reason I'm telling you now is because Advent starts the last week of November. We started it early this year, and so um, right after Thanksgiving, Advent launches in, and I want to be sure that you have time to get your book and be prepared, and it'll be a month-long study over this Jesus, this peasant king that came to save us, and so it's going to be awesome. So those are my three things, and I don't know who's next because I don't have my order. So Next we have where we get to continue in our worship with tithes and offering. It's, such an, it's so easy to go into this part of the service when we talk about a mortgage burning. Because you just kind of see what our faithful giving could provide for, you know, a, a place for us to worship Jesus Christ, but then also for others to know where to come. Do you, I don't know if you guys know this, but throughout the week where we have band practice, a Wednesday night church service, even where you have the preschool going on here Monday to Friday, there's people that will show up at a random 
And so, what's going on? And they will just express their needs to us. And it's so amazing that we're, this is a place that people know they could come walking up to uh, and they could seek help that we could, you know, hopefully provide for them. And so, uh, we continue, you know, I think of all the times that God has provided for, you know, every single one of us, you know, in our own times. And just a quick little testimony for myself, you know, the, if you look at statistics, you know, where my, my, my parents were divorced at two years old, you know, grew up in poverty. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't even dare ask my mom, hey, can we go to the movies? Because if I ever did, she would tell me, no, we have zero money. I cannot afford it at all. And then to think now, you know, then my wife grew in, growing up in Cuba, her parents, you know, divorced. She was, you know, her dad wasn't much in the picture. And then she comes over here to be with her dad. And then now her dad's not in the picture again. Just when you look at the life that we grew up living statistically, we shouldn't have a beautiful family, two beautiful girls, one on the way. And I got one of my girls in dance classes and stuff like that. And, you know, it's not to, I'm not trying to sit here and pat my own back, but it's when you look at what God is able to turn, something that the world would say, well, statistically, you should just be a deadbeat dad and you should be a deadbeat mom and this and that and whatever the case is. And when you look at our lives and, and somebody says, well, how did you get there? It's all God's blessing and all God's grace upon our lives. And I'm sure I'm not the only one here with a testimony of God's faithfulness and trueness in our own hearts and lives. And so we, when it comes to this moment here where we could give back to him for what he's done for us, it's, it, it makes it a no-brainer. And so we just ask for him to bless this time. Lord, thank you so much for being a God that in, in, in my life, in the life of this church, uh, Lord, that, that in the lives that are sitting in this church this morning, Lord, in the ones that are watching online, we all could think back of a moment where we could say, man, the Lord was there and he took care of me and he provided for me. And so, Father, for this time that we're able to just give back to you, Lord, I pray that you bless this time. I pray that you multiply it. Father, I pray that we do it with cheerful hearts, Lord. And Father... Be with us here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. So this past week, I had the task of doing something that I hate, and I don't know if you've ever had to do this, it's, it was clean out the wallet time. Is anyone like me where it's like, you, you start noticing that like, you're sitting in your car like this because your wallet is so thick that it's actually adjusting your your back in a way that you don't want and so you start taking out receipts and do I really need this and that and and so I was I was going through this is my wallet and I was noticing all these membership cards that I have got a Sam's Club yeah man yeah yeah Gigi's cupcakes you buy enough of those you get one free (laughs) You got my, you know, my insurance card. I'm a member of that. I've got my Walmart tax exempt. Yeah. Got my library card because everybody needs a library card, right? Oh, in case the cupcakes were enough, I got my sweet CC's 
membership card that gives me a punch ticket. My Abba Java. If you want good coffee in Nashville, I don't know why I still have that. (laughs) I haven't lived in Nashville in a decade, and yet I still have that punch card because I'm going to fill that up someday. I'm a member. I belong there. And I've got, you know, I've got a, a Disney card, of course. Disney member. I like that. Well, and then I've got my Disney card that says I'm a pass holder member. Well, and then I've, I've got my Disney card. Oh, and my Disney. You know what? Let's just stop there. I've got a lot of cards. Um, maybe you're like me. You've got a lot of cards. What do all these cards do? They, they, they remind you that you belong somewhere. That you're a member. That you're an insider. That you've, you've paid your dues. That you're good for another year. You're an insider. I get special discounts because I have my Publix card. I'm an insider. I use my Target cartwheel. I get special prices. I'm an insider. Can't get a library book without my library card. We love being insiders, don't we? Whether it's um, gated communities or whether it's part of, like, we've got someone in our church that's part of the VW Volkswagen Bug Club that they're meeting today. We've got, you know, golf memberships. We've got exclusive discounts for our best guests. And these aren't wrong. Nothing's wrong with any of those, but, but we love them, don't we? I, I, we have, um, when we go to Disney, you know, I don't know if you've been lately, but you don't have cards anymore. You, you tap your magic band and you give them your, the, the finger that you've chosen. You've got to be careful how you say that. You give them one of your fingers and then the little Mickey spins around and then, bing, it turns green. But Jen and I have this special membership we're insiders and when ours does it it turns purple and the stand says welcome home that feels pretty good i'm not gonna lie like i'm like yes i am home in this magic kingdom we like being insiders don't we I've long wanted a Jeep, and I have Jeep Envy, and both of my sisters have Jeeps, and it drives me crazy, but it's all right. I'm getting over it. Um, My counselor says I'm making progress. But I love how if you're a Jeep owner, Corey, you know it, don't you? What happens if you see another Jeep coming towards you? That's right. You do this, and it's, it's almost, I think it's almost like your hand and your head, like imagine a string and you kind of, you, you always high-five another Jeep, right? That's what you do. It's kind of an inside thing. I drive an Equinox. I would never see another Chevy Equinox and be like, they'd be like, okay, we're turning. But Jeeps do it. They, they've got this inside thing. When we moved here, um, somebody that we know is a member of the boat club. And so they, they rented a pontoon boat and they took us out on the Halifax. And it was awesome. And I wasn't a member, but I was with a member, and so I got to enjoy some of the benefits. It feels good. It feels good to be an insider, right? Let's be honest. 
I've been thinking about that a lot this week as I've been preparing for our passage that's found in Mark chapter 10. If you have our Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. I'm going to have the words on the screen, or if you have your digital platform, you're welcome to pull that up, whatever you want. But we're in Mark chapter 10. And we have this miracle that takes place in just some very interesting circumstances. So, read along in your heads as I read aloud. Then they, they being Jesus, his disciples, and a small group that was following him. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. I, that switch just always gets me. From, Be quiet. Hey, good news. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. One of the most interesting questions, like you've got a blind person saying, Jesus, have mercy on me, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Very interesting question, isn't it? My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go. For your faith has healed you, and instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Jesus, I pray that you'll take these words, these words that Mark wrote down that you actually said. I pray that you'll take this story and the surrounding situations and that you will help them to give us a better glimpse of who you are. And what you have for us and a better snapshot of this kingdom of heaven that you have for us here on earth right now. I pray that you'll guide my words. I pray that your Holy Spirit will hit its mark in our heart and that we'll all be changed. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I want to do what we've been doing for the past few months when we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, there are two questions that we always want to ask. And remember, I told you, this works in every situation. In the Bible, it's always good to ask, who's speaking and who's being spoken to? And what's the situation? What's, what's going on around there? So we've got who's speaking and who's being spoken to. We've got the crowd and Jesus and Bartimaeus. Those are the three that I'm seeing. Unless there's someone that I've missed, we've pretty much got that. So you've got Jesus, and you've got his, his posse, the crowd, the disciples. And then you've got this blind guy that's kind of on the outside, begging to get in. So that's the first question. The second question is, what's the context? What's the bigger situation? And, and most commentators will say that Mark is trying to do something in chapters 8 through 10. This isn't just a one-and-done type of story. He's actually, if you go back to chapter 8, Mark is doing his best to say, there's blindness all around us. 
And it's not always the people who can't see with their eyes that are blind. And so Mark tells a story um, in, in chapter 8 about the, the Pharisees. Give us a sign. We want to see something. We see you, Jesus, but we don't see God. Give us a sign. They were blind to it. Then you have Jesus saying, hey, watch out for the Pharisees. Watch out for Herod. And the disciples don't understand. They don't see it. And Jesus literally says in verse 18, you have eyes. Can't you see? And then you have Jesus asking, who who do people say that I am? How do you think their vision is? Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're, you know, who do you say I am? And Peter, in a moment of clarity, says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And you almost think, good for you, Peter. You're the one that's seeing clearly. And then the very next section, Jesus says, yeah, you're right, Peter, and I'm going to die. And it's like Peter's vision goes bad again. And he pulls Jesus aside and says, no, that's not going to happen. Never to you. We're not going to let that happen. And it's as if he goes blind to the mission of God once again. And then you got chapter 9, and you got this boy that, that appears to be dead, and Jesus brings him back to life. He looked dead. What they saw wasn't really what was happening. They were blind to what God was doing at the moment. And then you have, um, what else do we have? Oh, this is these are great. You got the disciples going down the road and they're bickering and arguing. And Jesus says, what are y'all talking about? And they say, nothing. Don't you love it when your kids do that? What are you fighting about? Nothing. I hear you fighting. (laughs) I just can't make out the words. Don't tell me you're not fighting. But scripture says Jesus knows their heart. He knows what's going on and he tells them, no, you're not seeing things clearly. I know what you're talking about, but whoever wants to be first is going to be last. Whoever wants to be greatest is going to be least. You don't see it, but you will. And then you get to this passage in in chapter 9 where there's a person that is healing others in the name of Jesus. Can you imagine that? People are being delivered and set free and they're being healed, but the person isn't one of the disciples. And so the disciples say, stop healing people in Jesus' name. You're not with us. You're the outsider. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? Don't you see what's going on? And then we get to the children coming and the disciples wanting to protect Jesus. Oh, those kids will drive Jesus crazy. We got to keep those kids away from Jesus. And Jesus, don't you see? It's, It's the faith of these children. You need to be more like these children. Don't wait for them to be more like you. You need to be like them. You just don't see it. And that comes right before we have the rich man that we talked about a couple weeks ago. And he didn't have the clarity to see that what he had, although valuable and important, was nothing compared to who was standing in front of him. But it's like he was blind to what was going on. And then you get to the passage that we're talking about today with blind Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus serves as this culmination in Mark's mind of, do you see what I'm talking about? Some people physically blind, but a lot of people spiritually blind. 
And Jesus came to give them sight so that they could see the mission of God and what God wanted to do and God's plan for humanity and God's plan for redemption. And you might not see it, but Jesus wants to help you see it. And so you have this story that Mark gives of blind Bartimaeus. And blind Bartimaeus is physically blind. But the crowd around Jesus, even the followers, a lot of them seem to be spiritually blind. I always thought it was odd that the, that the followers um, tried to keep Bartimaeus quiet. So you have these two types of followers, kind of. you got these, these um, inside, inside people that were selected. I mean, these were the 12 that Jesus you know, said, hey, I want you to follow me. But then you also had these kind of uh, self-defined insiders. They're the crowd that followed Jesus. We want to see a good show. We know Jesus is always entertaining. Let's stick with him. And it's these insiders that are trying to keep Bartimaeus out. So weird. People who had been on the outside were now trying to keep someone who was still on the outside out. And before I get too hard on them, it's easy for us to do, isn't it? I mean, one of the hardest things to do once you become an insider is to continue the process of welcoming others to be on the inside. Because once you're on the inside, once you're the member, you've got this status, you've got this, these privileges, you've got something that others don't have, and if everybody has it, it's not really a privilege. And so we get it, don't we? It's easy to understand why some of the insiders would have a hard time letting others in. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's easy to understand. I wonder why they wanted to keep Bartimaeus away. What was going through their mind that, that helped them come to the decision that we need to tell this guy to shut up? We don't care if he makes it to Jesus or not. He's on the outside. I wonder what was going through their head. And I've been trying to think, what might have been the process in their mind. You've got Bartimaeus that has this need, and you've got Jesus that has this power to fill the need, and yet you've got the crowd keeping the two separate. I think one of the things that maybe they dealt with is something that we deal with here every day in America, in our world. It's this mindset of scarcity. There's not enough to go around, so I have to get everything I can to make sure I'm taken care of. And if it means you don't have some of what you need to make sure I have some of what I have, well, sorry, that's just tough luck. We live with this mindset of scarcity all the time. Anytime we see someone else in need and we don't help because, well, that means I'd be giving up some of what I have. I wonder if they thought there's only so much room around Jesus. I'm kind of close to Jesus right now. If I invite someone else in to the circle, 
I literally have to take a step back. And then what if I don't get my spot back? I mean, I know this guy needs to be close to Jesus, but I like being close to Jesus. There's only so much space around Jesus. There's a scarcity of space. I I don't want to give up what I have, even if it means he doesn't have what he needs. And we could spend that any way we want with, with what we have. And I feel the weight of feeling very much like that inside crowd. And as I've thought about it, the, the refrain that has gone through my mind all week is, the love, of God, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest stars and reaches to the lowest hell. In this kingdom of God, there is no scarcity. There is more than enough grace for all of us. There is more than enough kindness for everyone. There is more than enough compassion for everyone that needs it. There is no scarcity with God. And if I live in a scarcity mindset, then I am not seeing God clearly. Because God is always more than enough. So I think maybe they dealt with this scarcity. I think, honestly, they were blind too. I think that's the second reason maybe they didn't want Bartimaeus to come. He showed them physically what they were spiritually, and they didn't like it. It's scary to think that it's the people that were closest to Jesus in this story that were blind. The outsider clearly recognized Jesus, son of David. Mark is very guarded with that. If you look through the book of Mark, he usually says son of God or son of man. He doesn't say son of David very often because son of David is a term that would describe this this Messiah that was going to come and he was going to set everything right. Spiritually, politically, socially, this son of David was the one that was prophesied thousands of years before. And so Mark very rarely uses that term. In fact, I think he only uses it twice. And one time was when this man recognizes this Jesus is everything we've ever hoped for. And the other time is when Jesus actually says, please don't call me the son of David. But he allows this man to do it because this man sees it. And I wonder if the people, the insiders, the disciples all around just didn't see it because they were blind too. And it makes me wonder, how often am I blind to the needs of those around me? How often do I keep someone from getting the miracle that they need because I'm too consumed with what I think I want? That's heavy. To think that my impact, my actions impact others, and they do. If we don't feel the weight of that, then maybe we're not seeing clearly. I think the third reason, so there's there's this scarcity, there's this, they probably weren't seeing clearly either. I think maybe the third reason they didn't want Bartimaeus to come by, to get close, is they just weren't participating with Jesus in the kingdom of God. They were just following him. They were just looking for a good show. They weren't participating. They were consumers of Jesus. 
I enjoy his tricks. If we're really lucky, he'll feed us on a hillside. That's cool. I like Jesus. They wanted to be near Jesus, but they didn't want to be like Jesus. And while we may be satisfied with this heaven membership, I ask Jesus to forgive me. I've got my get-out-of-hell-free card or heaven membership card. Just like half of those cards that I don't use, they're, they're not being used for their purpose. I wonder how many of us aren't being used for our purpose. Because Jesus didn't come and die for us to have a heaven membership card. So what did Jesus do? Here's what I love. Jesus told the crowd, the crowd that was trying to keep him away, bring him to me. Jesus invited the crowd that wasn't participating into a role of participation in the miracle that he was about to do. They couldn't heal the man, but Jesus could. And so what Jesus did was said, you do what you can do. Invite them in. You do what you can do. Bring Bartimaeus to me. I'll do what I do, which is heal. Because Jesus always brings healing. I can do that, but I want you to participate. And I want you to bring him to me. I want you, the insider, the one who is following me, the one who is close to me, I want you to bring the outsider in because that is the best way for them to have their miracle. You coming beside them, bringing them into the insiders, and then let Jesus do what Jesus does. Jesus moves them from being this Selfish crowd with an insider mentality into a selfless crowd with an other's mentality. And that's what we need, too. They joined Jesus. They were part of Bartimaeus' miracle because they brought him to Jesus. That's what I want. I can't save anybody, but I know the one who can. And I want to be part of the process of bringing them to the Savior so that Jesus can do what Jesus does. And I'm just doing my part, which is just pointing the way and keeping people coming and making sure that I don't keep anybody away. So my question this week that's been going through my mind is, am I fully seeing? Am I, am I blind to what's going on around me, or am I truly seeing? I think it's funny that Jason was talking about, keep alert, keep your eyes open, just, just watch what God is doing, be, be aware. When we stop seeing ourselves as the insiders, and others as outsiders, that's when we'll truly start to see this kingdom of God that Jesus is talking about. When we understand that it's not an issue of scarcity, God is always more than enough. When it's not an issue of blindness, because I see, I want to see Jesus, and I want others to see Jesus. When I understand that it's my job to participate in the work of God, that's when we get these snapshots of the kingdom. So, I was on Facebook this week. It's something that I hate to do because Facebook is, it's really gotten angry. 
but I'm on for because I have certain reasons I need to. And one of my friends posted this post. Show this post, uh, Angela. We need to care less about whether our children are academically gifted and more about whether they sit with the lonely kid in the cafeteria. I love that. That caught my attention. I was like, wow, that is so true. That's actually, that's actually what, what, what I was going to talk about. And I was like, this is amazing because this is what it's like. This is, the insiders are the ones that let you sit with them in the cafeteria. You know, the academically gifted, just you say the word academically gifted and it feels like there starts to be this separation, doesn't it? We're not called to be separated. We're called to be together and to pull people in so that there are no outsiders because in the world of Jesus, we're all called to be insiders. Jesus came to break that division apart. Jesus wants everyone to love him. Jesus wants everyone to come to him. Jesus wants everyone because Jesus loves everyone. There doesn't have to be an outside and inside when everyone is loved. So I was reading this post, and I want to read. I want to. I want to show you. This is a kid named Jackson. My friend Amy posted this. She is. Um, she's a teacher colleague of mine when I taught um, elementary school, and this is her post. I'm just going to read it. Today, Jackson had his last cross-country meet of the year. My mama heart was so proud as he continued to beat his time and pushed through to the finish. However, that was nothing compared to his kind heart that noticed a member of the other team was lapped behind and struggling to finish. And Jackson asked if it would be okay if he ran and walked with him. I told him absolutely. So Jackson spoke with his team, and they all jumped up and ran out there. And then the other team, seeing what was happening, ran too. And they all did the last lap together. In a world where mean people get a lot of attention, I'm so thankful to have a kiddo who is compassionate and not afraid to be kind. What an awesome team he has too that was more than happy to jump in and join him. You want a modern-day snapshot of the kingdom of God? That's a pretty good snapshot. Jackson's heart is what we're all called to have. So let me, let me just close by giving you just a couple of statements. If you're an insider... Part of your responsibility is to bring others to Jesus. Because you're not supposed to be an insider. You're supposed to be in all of us. So if you know Jesus, if you have this inside track, he has saved me, he's made me whole, I'm living for him, then your task is to bring the outsider with you. And to introduce them to the one who's changed and transformed your life. If you're an insider, that's your job. To not do your job means you are spiritually blind. All right? Here's the other statement. Maybe you're a follower still. Maybe you're an out or maybe you're an outsider still. 
maybe you haven't quite come to the place where you've given your life completely to Jesus. Have I got news for you? You're exactly the one that Jesus came to save. Jesus wants you to come to him. Jesus wants you to be an insider because Jesus doesn't want insiders. Jesus wants all of us. And so you, as an outsider, as an insider, everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome at the table. Everyone is welcome at his feet. Everyone is welcome to be in the crowd and be with Jesus. Amen? So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray in case you're an outsider or if you're watching online and you're an outsider and you say, wow, I kind of want this Jesus. That's kind of cool. I'm going to pray for the outsiders and then I'm going to pray for the insiders. And wherever you find yourself, I want you to talk to God. And I want you to have a moment where you define the relationship. Jesus, am I really seeing you? Jesus, am I really following you? Am I being what you've called me to be? So I'm going to give you time to pray. You don't have to listen to my prayer. Just talk to God.